Hey, we're here. We're finally doing it. I'm here with a uh, greatest man alive that I call Five Finger Friend for me. His name's Luke Hochaver. Luke, welcome to the show. How are you, buddy? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Man, I love I love this guy. I can't tell you guys enough how much I love this guy. He's meant a lot to me the last, what, five, seven years? I mean, that's why I wanted to go back and, like, when did we officially meet to actually started training? I think you were still at UT or how did that come about? Yeah, that it would have been um gosh, it was I think my after my junior year. After my junior year at Tennessee, um right before I went into pro ball, uh right before I signed um and I was here over the summer um and just kind of training on my own and uh came in because uh, I had been referred to you as the hip master and <laughs> taking into consideration I have hips like an eight-year-old lab. <laughs> and was, only uh, he would refer to a lab because he's a huge hunter man, as they say. Uh, but weren't you the guy that did the whole uh, the supplemental draft and the huge holdout? I mean, I knew of you and was like, I guess you had this uh, reputation of, and you even said that was completely false of you were holding out for this money and you were doing it this way and you were with Scott Boris, the number one MLB agent, and you were the number one guy drafted, correct? So you went into a draft and then pulled yourself out of the draft or you were drafted by a team yeah, and you was, came back. How did that work out? It's kind of a complicated situation. I was drafted out of the University of Tennessee by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And in the midst of those negotiations – um, there was another agent that had somewhat entered the mix and um, had negotiated some stuff without anything really formal. And so through that process, um, anytime uh, numbers are, are negotiated or whatever, so basically, long story short, there were too many hands in the pot at that time. And I was a young kid, just wanting to play baseball at the time. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know really the ins and outs of how the business really worked. But it was a rude awakening for me, and and uh, ultimately thankful that I went through that experience because I learned a lot through it. Um, but ultimately, what ended up happening is the Dodgers had with had to withdraw the offer, um, and uh, and then they'd never offered again. So it wasn't like I had a dollar amount sitting on the table and I wanted more. I had nothing to sign. And so I had to basically go back, um, play independent ball, and then reenter the draft because through that whole process, I lost my eligibility um, uh, in those in the Dodger uh, ordeal. And so basically through all that stuff, uh, had to re-enter the draft, and then thankfully uh, I stayed healthy and uh, was drafted by Kansas City. Um, but yeah, it was just it so was you had a, to sit out a year. I, yeah, I, I had to miss an entire year because those uh, all that stuff happened in the fall. And what did you do that whole year? I trained and I came to see you about my hips. <laughs> <laughs> and then then you get drafted, right? And you're like. The best guy on the planet, correct? Like, supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were supposed the first pick of the first round. 
Yeah. So either guy. Yeah. And what um, year was that? That so I was I was drafted by Kansas City in 2016 or 2016 2006. Um, How old were you? I was 24 at the okay. time. 24. Did you get drafted out of high school? Also, yeah, I was drafted out of high school uh, by the Dodgers in the 39th round. I think, okay, and then if I remember, chose right. UT. Came to UT. I wasn't. I wasn't a big. I wasn't a big uh, high school recruit out of high school. Um, uh, I was just kind of your average, your average high school guy, you know, with a great opportunity to play at a great university. Um, and uh, I needed a lot of work. Uh, being also too being from Colorado, we didn't we don't play that that many games. Uh, I think fourteen games in the high school season, just because we're fighting snow the whole time. But um, and so when I came to the University of Tennessee, uh, I had an unbelievable pitching coach in Fred Corral. Um, uh, Brian Garrity was there as our strength and conditioning coordinator and really kind of gave me a foundation on, um, on my professional career and just getting stronger, cleaning up my, my delivery. Um, and so it was just a combination of a bunch of things that really kind of came together. Uh, the talent, I, I, I had the talent, but I was extremely raw and, um, and so being able to work with, with Fred Corral there as the pitching coach, I learned a ton. I basically learned how to pitch from him and really coming into college. Um, I knew a little bit, but really what I knew how to do was compete and that was it. Um, and so he kind of took my approach and refined it and, um, I learned a lot and then, you know, was able to kind of come into my own from that point on. What was your size? Oh man, I was a bean pole. I think I was like six, four, like one ninety five, and then I think when I graduated, I was like six five or six six, two ten. And that's was that the same size when you got drafted? Yeah, I was like yeah, probably two ten when I got drafted, and then. What was your playing weight? Well, my playing weight before training here. Or <laughs> well, I know that we had that huge year where we like you got to like two hundred and thirty-two or thirty-six mm. pounds. I mean, we were crushing it. But like your your weight through like say July, like two, have, yeah, like two fifteen. What did you weigh when uh, you won the World Series? Two. Like two twenty six, two twenty eight. What are you now? One seventy two. No, I think I'm like I'm like right around two twenty. So, is it been has it officially been two years? That it has you've officially been, uh, been two years. Retired? Yeah. yeah, right around this time. Has it? How's yeah. that feel? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it was obviously um, it was it was tough, kind of going through that process and. Um, but also too, the good side of it was, is it was a slow process. It wasn't just like, you know, when I had thoracic, thoracic outlet surgery in, uh, 2016, I re I was rehabbing and coming in and, you know, training with you and, 
really doing everything that we possibly could to try to get through that. And, but ultimately, um, you know, one of the risks that comes with that surgery is palsy in the long thoracic, which six months into our grind, we, we, we finally realized, but, um, I just, I was never able to come off of that palsy. And so I had two years basically, um, to kind of s- sit around and, and think about it, you know, cause I mean, I could count on both hands, how many good days of rehab that I had. And as you know, I just, it just wasn't going very good. And, uh, I just kind of saw the writing, writing on the wall. And so I had, I had a couple years, uh, really a year to kind of figure it out and, and see that it was kind of trending in that way. And, and so I was able to somewhat prepare, prepare for it, but I don't think ultimately you're ready until it's completely over, you know? And so, um, you know, through that process, it was tough, but it was also, you know, really good and really encouraging too. And what year did you have the Tommy John surgery? Tommy John was in 2014, the first game of spring training in 2014. Was that your first major injury? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I I think the only other time that I was on the DL before Tommy John in, in 14 was uh, I strained my UCL in 2010. And basically it tore it 40, 50%. So I had a 50% tear in my UCL. And then in 2000, and it held on for four years. And then in 2014, it tore the rest of the way. And so I think those are the only two times that I was on the TL before, um, before thoracic. Would you say you're in a good place where you are right now with what you're doing? And, you know, tell me what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, uh, right now I'm in full-time ministry. Uh, I work for, um, a ministry in major league baseball and, uh, um, and then also too, what I do is, uh, I, I work kind of, uh, we team up, we team up with, uh, Peterson outdoor ministries out of Missouri that ministers to wounded veterans. And, uh, and so we, I do, uh, in the off season, you know, especially that's ballplayers downtime. And, um, also to my favorite time of the year, cause it's hunting season. <laughs> and so, uh, we have a we have a farm in West Tennessee. Uh, we built a lodge in 2015, and so we host. We're able to host um, uh, veterans, ball players, uh, all for ministry purposes. And uh, and so I mean that's really become uh, my my full time um, my full time job. And you're breeding the dogs, and the the other thing you're doing the. Uh- your Instagram page, which isn't your Instagram page, but the dogs. It's the dogs. What's the name of that? Whistling Wings Retrievers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we. Uh, That's a huge interest and hobby of yours, isn't it? Yeah, I do. I, I love the dogs. Which you know, it all it all turns back to you know. It, I mean, they they ultimately become a tool for for what I do now and doing these ministry hunts and, um, you know, just hanging with ball players and hanging with veterans and teaming those guys up. So that, I mean, they're a tool and. I, you know, having, having, uh, three really, really good field trial dogs, uh, that I use now to hunt. Those are um, yours. Yeah. That have been in here. Correct. Yep. 
Yep. That, that, that you compete in dog competitions and all that jazz, right? Yeah. I don't actually train them. I send them down to uh, Mossy Pond Retrievers in South Georgia, um, and then they run them all off season. I just get them back for the fun part, you know, and then. Well, I mean, you've had them out here, and it's been amazing what they could do. Yeah. Yeah, they're fun. They're fun to. And that's not a that's not a cheap hobby. Uh, no, I mean. I mean, that's gotta, the best yeah. of the best, right? Yeah, but um, when uh, when you hit with three dogs, typically typically you don't have three that are really that good. You know, they'll kind of pan themselves out in early training, but all three of them hit, and so um, yeah, it can get fairly expensive. Just you know, sending them off to have them trained and continue to run in those competitions and stuff like that. But um, it does have a it does have a comeback. We have we just had a litter of four puppies uh, between my oldest male and. Uh, my female and so our kids are super excited and they're going to be super sad when they (laughs) when they go to their new homes and in eight weeks but uh um so i was going to say like hunting's your passion dog breeding's your passion but i think you know god is your passion the ministry is your passion but it sounds like it like you said it's all holistic it all everyone uses each and it's all the center core you know what i'm saying it's kind of cool that like the dog's your passion the hunting's your passion jesus is your passion and you they all work together and you do the things out. Of, do you just do the one ranch? Isn't it? Don't you have another ranch in Kansas? But yeah. That's we, not the same. Well, we have, we have one in Kansas and we, uh, that's more of a deer hunting farm. Um, and we are, uh, I currently have that farm up for sale. Um, and, uh, trying to slowly move things out to Tennessee. Um, but, uh, it's, um, it is. It's 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 really cool, but I mean, I think I think also too. That's just kind of how uh, that's just kind of how God has um, has used my my interests, uh, my passions, um, which is ultimately for His glory. And also too, that's kind of how God deals with me too. I'm not I'm not I'm not the brightest guy, so you know, He's he, God deals with me pretty straight up. And, uh, uh, which I'm extremely thankful for, but I mean, that, that ultimately is my biggest passion is, is sharing my faith in Jesus and, yeah. and, uh, just, just hanging out with dudes and building relationships. And, and, uh, I mean, that's, that's what fires me up more than anything. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. You know, when a mallard duck sets his wings, I mean, I get pretty fired up and then I get a, then we get a kill them and then let the dogs pick them up. I mean, right. that's fun. But I mean, my biggest passion is, is, is sharing my faith and sharing Jesus for sure. Oh yeah. And you know, if you guys don't know it, if you have a chance to, to, to meet this guy, he's, he's one of the best when his walk with Jesus is, um, he's taught me tons in the years that we've been friends and handling our business training. But, uh, your grace with God is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I didn't plan the podcast to go either way with us of talking like this, but it would be something that if you get a chance to listen to Luke, or if he's around talking somewhere at FCA's or whatever, you're, you're a beautiful person, bro. I mean, honestly, from head to toe, I, I honestly love you. You know, well, I'm, it's amazing. I'm just, I'm just a turd that Jesus polished up pretty good. <laughs> 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 and that that's exactly how he is. I mean, that's why, you know, I think that's why people gravitate towards you because of your, your I don't know, soft walk, you know, because everybody loves you for that. You know, you're just a beautiful person in and out. And I can't say enough about you. I'm so glad you came to talk just a 
head of what's going on in your life because I, I feel like a lot of times when the athletes retire, I don't see them as much, you know, and I wanted to make a vow to you and I of getting together for lunch and keeping a friendship. I know money's exchange and business and we do all that. And, you know, some people make fun of me as all your friends are your clients first. But, I, you know, as I got older, I found like that's kind of hogwash. It's like I think they become family so they might become clients and then family it's not i think we bypass friends you know because we keep it mm. keep it real with each other and this wood gym and this office has been a, like our ministry my church and you know yep. i've had opportunities to go in all different places and it's like i just can't leave the wood gym you know well i think i think that's what makes it so great about the wood gym though is you know i came in um i came in to train with the very very best but ultimately, the Wood Gym ended up speaking into my heart and into my life, not necessarily from a training aspect, which, I mean, when I, when, I came, when I came in here and started training, I was at a crossroads in my career, and basically, um, the Wood Gym saved my career and, uh, and extended, extended my playing career for another four years, five years, and... Uh, just because I was kind of, I was to a point where I needed a change. I needed a change um, from a training standpoint, and I also needed a, a change uh, from from just a surrounding standpoint. And uh, coming into the wood gym, and you know, yeah, everybody's here to train but it's a family. Like you said, it's a community and it's a community, um, that I have found that impacts you beyond your sport that impacts you beyond your health or beyond your shape. And, uh, and that's, I think that's, what's so attractive, you know, to being in here and to being, being in this culture that you've created of it is family. You well, know, I mean, and th- we, 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 we fight hard and we love hard, right? Yeah. That's, and yeah. that's, that's family. But, but I think it's, it's, uh, you know, the David and Goliath where he's throwing his stones. And why am I throwing all these stones across the water? You know, I think this sharpens your skills for what you're doing now because there's so many different characters and there's so many different topics and stories that go on in this office. I mean, we've seen so many different events that have happened. And, you know, have taken place and folded and ended and began that it like sharpened, I think, your tools for what you're doing now. 100 percent. And that's that's what turned me on to the to to the wood gym is it's real. There's no facade. There's no there's no dance that's done and, you know, or put up in front of it. And, you know, we do this, this and this and this. There's there's none of that. It's just it is what it is. And it's real. And that's why you get real results. That's why you get real relationships, uh, and that's that's where you get real truth. You know, it's there's nothing there's nothing phony about this place, and I think that's what's so attractive, and that's why people come back, continue oh, to come back. Yeah. No, I I mean that's the thing that um, when Harrison was training for his combine, and uh, he went out to L.A. for something, uh, the people came up to him and was like, "That's a pretty cool set." that you guys set up to make it look like it's hardcore. And and he's like, what are you talking about? This is like, that's what it is. And that's what I found a lot is like, I think everybody's trying to get back to the basics, but we never left basic. And I think all the 
a, a lot of the places want to try to make it hardcore like a wood gym, but I don't know if, if it is hardcore. It's just the wood gym. I wouldn't consider how I don't know. Training. I don't know how you'd buy brand new weights and get them rusted. <laughs> I mean, you just buy brand new weights and let them out in the rain, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> you see that with state-of-the-art facilities, and then they'll walk in, they try to, you know, spray paint this and put chains on that. It's like, uh, you know, that's not inside you, just like we talk with mm. Jesus. That You know, mm. if it's it's pretty transparent what you'll see with somebody yeah. and same with a place like what's you know, outside inside inside outside yeah and it's funny it's funny you mentioned that because this place is as transparent as you get i mean there is no there's no false insulation in here <laughs> you know but also yeah. too you yeah. think about it transparency breeds transparency you know yeah if i spill if i spill my heart out to you you're gonna feel um, you're going to feel comfortable with spilling your heart out in return. Obviously, yeah. there has to be relational value there, but it's the same thing with this place, you know. And it's like the uh, the little book of talent. The guy it. the guy travels all over the world looking for the greatest schools of everything: the best skiing school, music school, piano school, singing school. And every time he finds it, it's not the state of the art, no. the newest stuff. It's just basic. One room uh, with a few desks. Yeah, and for you know, all you listeners out there, Hoach turned me on to that book about seven years ago, and then I got robbed, and somebody took my backpack with that book <laughs> and had everything there from the money and everything else that that was in that damn backpack. It was amazing that, that I just thought about that little book of talent, and that's that's what they talked about. You know, I mean, Bodie Miller, the downhill skier, you know, always turned down training at the state of the art complex and stayed in a barn where up in Maine or Massachusetts or something. And it was, he's like, well, this is where I get my best work. And then this, the studio of the state of the art studios of one singer. And it was like a box that she worked in the best and not, you know, the production companies and all that. And that's, you were like, you got to read this book. It's going to be awesome. You know, it reminds me so much of what the wood gym is. And, and I think people that come in and out of this place, it's, it's either a perfect fit or not a fit, you know, and that's mm. what we worked with is when we got to sit down, I was like, you've been a wood gym guy forever, you know, and I didn't make you that way, but that's what you'll, you came full circle. I mean, cause you had the best of the best. All you pros have the best of the best and the opportunities of working at the best places, stay in the art places. And it's still somehow the wood gym finds the real guys that what we call grit guys that are, you know, doing the best they can. And, you know, I know we don't have a lot of time at wrapping it up, but going to the Game 5, the World Series, and watching you pitch up there was amazing. And, and that meant the world to me when you called me and said, hey, I want you to come up. You know, I got you tickets or whatever. I know you don't travel a lot. I know you don't come up, but I want you you to come watch me. And that that meant, the you know, the fellowship, the brotherhood, or whatever we want to call it. That was awesome. You know, that was – and, you know, bringing my daughter up there and for her to see that and then just so proud of – what you did, you know, was amazing. And, you know, I went to the Friday game, Saturday off, and you pitched the Sunday game, flew back and got to watch the end of it and then mm-hmm. watch you get your interview with your daughter in, in your arms while you're getting interviewed. It was it's, – it's so good when you have real good people that genuinely pull for you. And that's what we don't find a lot of is like, like you know, when you're not on top of the mountain or you're not doing what you want to do for love and passion, it's kind of a disgruntled – pat on the back of great job i'm happy for you but when you find genuinely happy people 
it's amazing, you know, yeah. and I can't thank you enough, man, for being a friend for, you know, I, I hope, you know, I watch your kids grow up and we keep meeting each other. And, you know, I've made my mistakes along the way, as you know, and you've practiced so much grace in my life. It's, it's been a blessing to have you come through my life the last seven, eight years. I can't thank you. Everybody, Luke Hochaver, he's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.